sports, if it's how to make a good pizza, if it's how to bake chocolate chip cookies. I don't care. Just, just what are you good at? What do you know about? Before I jump into this too deep, one thing I know about is that one of our favorite ministers here at Refuge Church, today is his birthday. Let's give a shout out to Bill Foster on his birthday. I know he's watching right now, so his boys just got to walk over and just give him a big bear hug, give him a happy birthday hug. So we love Brother Foster. Uh, but now, what do you know about? Do you know about, let's, let's talk about some of these examples. Do you know about golf? Do you know about golf? What, what is a birdie? What is now, if you don't know about golf, you'll be like, yeah, I'm, I'm a bird watcher. They come out on my bird feeder. And I, no, no, not in golf, a birdie something different. Something I don't get to see a lot when I play, but that means you're, you're one under par. Par is average. If you got par, you did well. Birdies, you even did better than par. How about, what is fairways hit in regulation? What is backspin? What is a flop shot? What is a slice? If you want to know what a slice is, just let me know when you want to go golfing, and I am very good at showing you what a slice is. It's when you aim straight but your ball ends up off to the right. How about football? Do you know, what, do you know about football? No doubt there's, a, there's hopefully a, a picture on your screen right now. Uh, do you know about football? What is the difference between a nickel and a dime defense? What is the eye formation? What is the difference between a slant, a fly, and an out route? Who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? Huh? Well... We won't go into that because that's where we might have varying opinions. But do you know, how about health care? There are five areas health related in health-related fitness. What can you tell me about each of these areas? There is heart and lung endurance or cardiovascular endurance. There's muscular strength. There's muscular endurance, flexibility, and body composition. Those are five areas of health-related fitness. What do you know about one or all of those areas? I hope right now that you are watching this going, wow, he is so smart to know the five areas of health-related fitness. But I just Googled that, and uh, I was hoping I sounded smart. What about investing? Do you know about investing? Let's have an educated discussion about the various types of investments. There are at least 10 types of investments. Stocks, bonds, Mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, certificates of deposit, retirement plans, options, annuities, cryptocurrencies, commodities. I wonder how many of us listening or watching can have an educated discussion about what we really know about all of these various topics. Do you know about history? How about some of the most important events in human history. What can you tell me about history? How about the life of Jesus Christ? The American Revolution, the Reformation, tearing down the Berlin Wall, World War I, World War II, Gutenberg's printing press, the Civil War, the Civil Rights Movement, Vietnam War, landing on the moon, the Azusa Street Revival, 9-11, the tech revolution. Some things that 
have changed our world, humanity, our existence? What do you know about these various moments in history? Do you know about the Bible? How many books of the Bible are there? Where does the Bible discuss baptism? If someone says, what does the Bible say about spirit infilling? Why is it important to pray? Does the Bible really care about our appearance? Do you know the answers to those things? Do you know where those things are found in Scripture? What we know about these things, and are, are all these things equally important? Are, are some of these things more important than others? How do we... How do we know when we really, truly know something? How do we know when we really, truly know something? Is it when we can enter a conversation with someone? Is it when we can pass a test and choose correct answers on multiple choice exams? Is it when we can answer things without looking in a book? What do you know, and how did you come to know it? History, investing, healthcare, football, golf, the Bible. What do you know, and how did you come to know it? This evening, for just a little while, I want to speak on this topic. What do you know? Or as you might have heard some people say, say hey, what do you know? What do you know? Jesus, thank you, God, so much for every person who's made a decision, made it a point to tune into this, whether live or at a later time. God, I just pray, let your word come to life. Let it be powerful. Speak through me, Lord, that, that even through technological means like we have now, that, that people would feel the anointing and the love and mercy and reaching of Jesus Christ, I pray in your name. Amen. Well, we're talking about what do you know? Well, what? How about the people that think they know a lot? Does anybody know someone like that? The person that no matter what topic you bring up, that person knows that topic. Matter of fact, you could pull out any topic under the sun and they would begin to talk to you like they're an expert in that topic. But when you sit and listen for just a few moments, you know that they don't know. But what about, how do we know when we know? Are knowing facts, dates, figures, and names, is that really knowing something? Is that knowing someone? For instance, I took an entire class in my undergraduate studies at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. I took an entire class called the Vietnam War. The Vietnam War. I feel like I learned a lot about the Vietnam War. I can discuss some facts and some figures and some dates and some names. But do I know the Vietnam War? Do I know the Vietnam War like someone who has served in the Vietnam War? I mean, after all, they didn't take the test. They didn't pass the class. So do I know more because I got an A in the Vietnam War studies Certainly, I don't know more than someone who walked the soil of Vietnam and served our country in that time. That's, that would be preposterous to think that. Their experience allowed them to know things that I will never know. 
No matter how many books I read, how many tests I take, or what my grade is, I will never know Vietnam like someone who served on that soil. Knowing is moving beyond simple information. Today, I will say this more than ever before in my life. I want to know God. Check out how bad the Apostle Paul wanted to know God. In Philippians 3.10, it says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Could you imagine saying this? I want to know somebody, someone or something so bad that I want to suffer in it, experience, share in his death. Could you even fathom saying that? Paul, he was trained in Jewish law. He sat at the feet of one called Gamaliel. But on the road to Damascus one day, he had an experience that changed his life forever. And from that point on, he longed to not only know about Jesus, but he wanted to know Jesus. There is a big difference. I know that I'm certainly talking to some people right now that you know about Jesus. You can talk about 66 books in the Bible. You can talk about the dates that were written, the audience to whom received the letters of the epistles in the New Testament. You can take people to scriptures and show them about how there is one God and his name is Jesus. And I think those are magnificent, wonderful things. But there is a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. You look in the Old Testament, there was a man named Abraham. Abraham walked with God. He met God daily at a fixed time and a fixed location. God warned him, Abraham, here's what's coming. Here's what's on the horizon. Abraham, he, he entered into covenant relationship with God. Abraham knew God. Abraham walked with God. The Bible makes this perfectly clear. But then we read about Abraham having this nephew who traveled with him and, and, and lived next to him. And eventually they split their separate ways. And his nephew's name was Lot. But we don't see the same dedication from Lot that we see from Abraham. We don't see Lot conversing with God daily. We don't see a fixed time and a fixed location where Lot meets with God. We don't see Lot carving out time to be in the presence of God. We don't see Lot asking God, which direction do you want me to go? I need your spirit to lead me. Instead, we see Lot and he pitches his tent at the sinful nations of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so what do we see? We see Abraham is a man who walked with God. Lot is a man who walked with a man who walked with God. There's a big difference. And that's why I even tell young people when I speak to younger audience, youth groups, that your parents can be on fire for God. They can be leaders in the church. But you can say, well, my parents do this. And I walk with my parents who walk with God. But I don't, want to, I don't want to just be a person who walks with a person who walks with God. I want to walk with God for myself. 
Abraham, he walked with God. He conversed with God. He went into covenant relationship with God. We don't, we don't read about that with Lot. We don't read about Lot entering into covenant. We don't read about Lot. Lot simply was with the man who was blessed. He walked with the man who walked with God. One knew God and one knew about God. There's no doubt that Lot knew about God. When God sends angels to speak, Lot, Lot recognized this is the voice of the Lord. He even recognized God's voice when he came and knocked on his door with angels. He, but one knew God and one knew about God. I don't want to just know about God. I want to know God. Lots of people today, they know about God, but I'm not content with that. When Paul said, when, when, when he says, I want to suffer with him. I experience that death. That seems so extreme. It still seems extreme. But I want to get extreme in my pursuit of God. If, if our pursuit of God always seems normal to the rest of the world, I would argue that there's probably something a little off with our pursuit of him. There should be times that people look at us and say, man, you are crazy. You look at fanatical fans, the people that paint themselves up and hold signs and take off their, their shirts and below zero weather and scream for a team. And you say, they are a fanatical fan. You know, the rest of the stadium, oh, there's fans, but that's a fanatical fan. That's someone who goes above and beyond. I don't want to just so be someone who files into a church and sits on a pew on a Sunday and Sunday says, that's a Christian. I want someone to look and say, no, that's someone who is serious about his or her pursuit of God. For us, knowledge means information. It means facts. It means concepts and dates. That's what knowledge is. But in biblical times, knowledge was centered on personal relationships. To know someone was to enter into a close relationship, an intimate relationship with that person. You look back at the beginning of humanity. Scripture says Adam and Eve, in Genesis 4.1, it says Adam knew Eve. And she conceived and bare a cane and, and said, I got a man for the Lord. Obviously, we know what that means. There was an intimacy, but that's not just a physical intimacy. To know someone was not always just a sexual thing. It was a closeness, an intimacy. Knowing God involves much more than simply mastering facts or information about him. You think about if you're married, you don't just say, well, hey, I, I know that person. And, and I can tell you when they were born and what hospital they were born at. And I can tell you where they went to school. I can tell you what they do for a living. But that's it. Beyond that, I can just tell you facts and figures. And, and, and we don't really spend a lot of time with one another outside of what I just regurgitated to you in facts and figures. That's not really knowing someone. That's knowing about them. But that's not knowing them. But in order to know someone, what happens is you go through life and, and you go through some really great times and some tough times. And, and, and God forbid there's even disagreements and, and there's things you work through. But then you come through and you say, hey, we're still standing. We're closer today than we've ever been before. And so I don't just know about my spouse. I know my spouse on a real and an intimate level. And that's the thing. Sometimes we say, well, I want to know God. But God, what we know about God is not always just wedding day excitement and putting our best foot forward. Sometimes God takes us through things where we go, 
what is going on? This is frustrating. And, and then you make it through trials and you make it through valleys. And you get to the other side. You say, man, God walked with me. That was low and it was hard and it was difficult and it was confusing and challenging. And I had anxiety and fear at times. But I've made it through. And as a result, I know God better today than I ever knew him before. And so how does this happen? This, this type of interaction only comes this type of relationship, I'm sorry, only happens through interaction, through experience. When we, when we get baptized in the water, we take on his name. We enter into a covenant relationship. We are the bride of Christ. But we don't know each other yet on the deep level, which we will as we continue to journey with Christ, as we continue to go through things. This comes only through experience, through interacting in prayer, reading his word. Without this, we will never prosper. More than any other prophet, Hosea in the Old Testament, he, he, he emphasizes the importance of knowing God. And isn't it interesting that Hosea is also the prophet that God literally calls to marry a prostitute, knowing that she was going to be, Gomer was going to be unfaithful to Hosea, but God sets it all up as an object lesson of Israel's unfaithfulness to him. God wants his bride to know that I want you to be faithful to me. But look at the indictment that God has against Israel in Hosea 4.1. It says, hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has brought charges against you saying, there is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. There is no knowledge of God in your land. They did not know God. There's no knowledge of God in your land. He said, you make vows and break them. You kill and steal, commit adultery. There's violence everywhere. One murder after another. That's why your land is in mourning and everyone is wasting away. Even the wild animals, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea are disappearing don't point your finger at someone else because that's what humanity does. We always do that, right? Don't point your finger at someone else and try to pass the blame. My complaint, you priests, is with you. Wow, this is not like some atheist who does not acknowledge God or they're, they're not. This is the children of God, children of covenant, people of Israel. And not just the people, but the priests of the nation, the spiritual leaders. And God says to them and says, hey, you priests, don't point fingers. Don't blame someone else. I'm talking to you. You're supposed to know me better than anybody else. And you are being destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because what's a lack of knowledge? A lack of knowing, knowing my will, a lack of knowing who I am, a lack of knowing what I desire for you. These were people, when he speaks to the priests, these were people who memorized the law. They knew about God. If you could make an argument, did anybody know about God? The Old Testament priests knew about God more than anybody else. They memorized the law. But what happens when the leaders know about God, but they don't know God? It goes on in verse 5, so you will stumble in broad daylight. Your false prophets will fall in the night, and I will destroy Israel, your mother. And look what he says in verse 6. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Speaking to the priests, 
You're being destroyed because you don't know me. Did they know about him? Absolutely. Better than anybody else. But he didn't say you're being destroyed because you don't know about me. He said you're being destroyed because you do not know me. There's a difference between knowing about and knowing. If someone said, tell me about your spouse. They were born in this day. They work here. They're, well, what are some of the things they like? What are some things you've gone through? What are some valleys that you made it through? What are some mountaintops in which you celebrated together? Uh, I don't really know. I mean, I just know that they were born here. They work here. Their parents' names are this. And What? You know about them, but you don't know them. I don't want to be destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. If all we do is memorize facts, figures, dates, and stories about God. And we do not know God. We will be destroyed. The church, the body of Christ, will cease to exist as we know it today, if all we do is just know names, facts, figures, and regurgitate information. Is it important to know the word? Absolutely. Is it important to know names and dates and facts and figures? Absolutely. But when the knowledge is just limited to facts and figures rather than experience and relationship. We're in a dangerous place. We will never know. We will never know God until we are hungry for Him. Until, when is the last time that you were hungry? When is the last time that you had a gnawing feeling in your stomach? He said, maybe it's on a fast. Our church is. Completing a fast, or maybe it's not a fast. Maybe it was just a long day or a meeting that you went in. And maybe it was a Sunday message when your pastor just kept preaching and preaching and you were waiting for lunch. But that gnawing feeling where you're going, oh, I'm so hungry right now. Oh, I cannot wait to eat. And you start to think about what you're going to eat. And somebody says, I'll meet you at the restaurant. And, and you think about that restaurant. What do they have on their menu? Oh, what do I love? Man, that sounds good to me. Because there's something in you that you're so hungry. And there's a gnawing feeling, hunger pangs. When is the last time that our spirit was so hungry for God? That we just sat there and said, God. It's just been a minute since I've ate, and I'm just, oh, I can, one of my favorite things is to just be in your presence. God, I just can't wait till this meeting ends. I can't wait till school gets out. I can't wait until I get home from work. I can't wait. I get, get, get up in the morning. Just, I just want to be in your presence. I just, I, oh, I wish I didn't have to go to work right now, not because I'm lazy, not because I hate my job, but because I just get lost in prayer in Jesus. Oh, God, I just, please come with me. Come with me. I don't want to leave you behind in the living room. I don't want to leave you in my prayer room. God, I, I just please come with me. Get in the car with me. Come with me on my day. God, I need you. I want to I wanna know you. Speak to me right now today. And deep within your soul, a hunger that causes you to pursue him more than anything else. When the day gets busy, oh, I meant to pray, but things, time, it got, it got away on me. Why, when time gets away, is he the first one to be cut? 
why when, when life gets busy or the kids are screaming, how can we manage to get all of the other things done, but we are not spending time with him in the way that we could say, God, I just want to pursue you. I want to know you. I don't want to just know the 66 books of the Bible. I don't want to just memorize a scripture. I don't want to just be able to explain water baptism. Yes, I want to explain all that stuff, but I don't want to just have the knowledge. I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you. I don't want to walk with someone who knows about you. I want to walk with you and know you for myself. Knowing God will transform our thoughts and actions. It will impact our priorities and our values. Let me repeat that again. Because every single one of us, every single day, you are going to prioritize something or someone. Every single day. If there is ever tension in my home, if I ever, my wife and I, it's, it, it, if, oh, it's, it's not, we have an amazing marriage, but if there's ever a tense moment, it is when my wife does not feel prioritized by me. Because, well, I had this, and I had to do this, and I had to get over here, and you got to understand, I had to get that. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, my wife, outside of Jesus Christ, there is no one more important for me to prioritize. I wish I was a perfect husband. I am not, and I hope she doesn't say amen on the live stream. But it is when you say, I haven't prioritized you. What are you prioritizing? Well, I don't really prioritize anything. Baloney on that. You prioritize something or someone every single day of your life. You prioritize having dinner. You prioritize having breakfast. You prioritize brushing your teeth. I pray to God that you do that. You prioritize shaving your face if you do that. You prioritize doing your hair or curling your hair. You prioritize getting gas or you end up on the side of the road. There are things that you're going to prioritize every single day. You prioritize spending time with your children, having a family night. You prioritize having a date night with your spouse. And when you don't, the things, the relationships pay a price for what you did not prioritize. Well, it's the same way with Jesus Christ. Well, I just got so busy and I meant to pray. Well, I, what, 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 if we're honest, what do we say? I did not prioritize talking to Jesus today. If, if we're honest, that's what it is. I did not prioritize my Savior today. And so, what's going to be the result? It's going to be the result is, I just don't know him like I could have known him. I've never been to heaven. I hear, I'm always skeptical about people that, well, I died and saw, went to heaven and saw this. Cool, it's never happened to me. Maybe it's real, maybe it's not. But I haven't been there. But I can imagine that when I get into the presence of Jesus Christ, and I don't know, oh, is it a literal street of gold? Is it really a mansion? I don't care. None of that's going to matter. What is going to matter is Jesus Christ is going to be what makes it heaven for me. And I doubt I'm going to look back and say, oh, man, you know, I only drove a half-ton pickup. I wish I'd have got a three-quarter ton. Or, or, oh, you know what? I should have got one of those sports. I should have lived in a, in a, in a nicer home, and I should have I bought more suits. I wish I would have saved more in my retirement. That's never going to cross my mind. I know I'm going to just stand in his presence, and it's going to be so amazing. And I, and I just have this feeling that the only thought that I might be thinking, other than how great and amazing and beautiful and incredible he is, is, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish so bad that, that I would have told someone else. I wish so bad that I would have been hungrier for him. I wish I could have done so much more. Why? Because at the end of the day, we can have as much of Jesus Christ as we want.
It's not like electronics and kids. Hey, you got an hour. You're up for your electronics. Put them down. You're done for the day. That's not how Jesus is. We literally can have as much of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the God of the universe. We can have as much of him as we want. But we have to prioritize him. Your current walk, my current walk with God is based on what we have prioritized to this moment. And I don't know about you, but all I can say is for me in my house, like Joshua said, I want to know him. I want to serve him. I want to know him more. I don't want to just have a master's degree in theology where I can explain deep things in the Bible. I, I, I don't want to move on to a doctorate where I can explain even deeper things in the Bible. And those are great things. I'm not bashing education. It's wonderful. But I, I don't want to do all of that and get so used to being around Scripture that it becomes commonplace to me. And I know about him, but I don't know him. Jeremiah 9.23 said this is what the Lord said. Don't let the wise boast in wisdom or powerful boast in power. Rich boast in riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord. You're powerful. You're wise. You're rich. Awesome. But you know what? He says the only thing that you should be boasting about is that you truly know him and understand that he is the Lord. I want to accomplish things in my life. And hopefully I'm remembered for making a difference in someone somewhere. But at the end of the day, if that gravestone could just say he knew God, he walked with God. That's what Enoch's testimony was. We don't know much about the guy, but he walked with God and was not for the Lord took him. I just want to know him. As I close this out, I want to be like Moses. And this is a long passage. Stick with me, please. But he stood on that mountainside. And Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take the people to the promised land. You haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If this is true and you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I can understand you more. He was wanting to know him. I don't want to just know about you. I want to understand you. I want to continue to enjoy your favor. Remember, this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I'll personally go with you, Moses. I'll give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. And that's it. And so normally we'd be content with that. Cool. Spoke to God. It was awesome. I asked him. He said he's going to go with me. Woo, what an altar call. That was amazing. We just came down. I shed some tears. I spoke in tongues. I felt God, and I got up, and I, and I walked out. It was another great experience to remember. It was wonderful. But Moses responded and said, then show me your glorious presence. What? Man, we're just talking right now. I told you I'm giving you a land of promise. I said I'm going to go with you. I mean, we're, we're having an incredible interaction. Most people don't even get to this place. But the problem is when we as Christians begin to just say, oh, I, I, well, I, I'm, doing as, I'm praying as much as they are. I'm experiencing as much as they are. I'm crying as much as they are. Don't do that. Forget about the men and the women and the children around you at an altar. Get lost in him. Say, God, I know last time I prayed here, I was weeping. Last time I prayed here, you spoke to me. 
me. Last time I prayed here, you promised that you would never leave or forsake me. But today, I want something deeper. Today, I want to go to a deeper realm, a deeper place. And, and so Moses says, no, no, I, I just asked you uh, all these things, but I want to see your glorious presence. And, and God says, I'll make my goodness pass before you, and I will call out your name and my name and Yahweh before you, and for I will show mercy to anyone I choose and show compassion to anyone that I choose. But you may not look at my face, for, one, for no one may see me and live. And the Lord continued, fine. He says, you know, he says, look, stand near, uh, near me on this rock, and my glorious presence will pass by you, and I'll hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. But then I'll remove my hand, and you will get to see something that no one has ever seen. You won't see my face because no one can see that and live, but you're going to see the back parts as I pass by. You're literally going to see a manifestation of the fullness of God Almighty. Moses is like, God, I know you're real. You've given me promises. I need you in my life. But right now, I want to know you. I want to experience you in a way that I have never experienced before. Well, that's not really possible. Humanity. Why are you asking God for that? You really want him to do that? Why? Don't listen to the people who tell you that that's not possible. Or why are you asking that? Or nobody asked that. Or nobody's seen that. Forget it. Just forget it. Set it aside. Get lost in Jesus. And just say, God, I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to experience you. And when God heard Moses say this, he responded. And I just believe that tonight, that, that as I wrap this up, wherever you are, I can't see you. You can see me or hear me. But I just feel like there's a hungry heart that's driving in a car right now. That there's someone sitting in a living room right now. That you're even laying in your bed or you're, you're, you're on your back deck outside your house. You're somewhere right now. And you're watching this message and you didn't really honestly you didn't even expect God to show up right where you were you tuned in to hear a message to gain facts figures knowledge and the word of God but here God is it's more than facts figures and knowledge he doesn't just want you to know a scripture or know what the Bible says those are all important but tonight God's saying I, I'm giving you an invitation to know me and, and you've known about God for years and you know about the facts and the figures and memorizing things you've seen some great things, but there's something in you right now that as this Wednesday night message wraps up online, you're sitting here and you're watching this and you're listening to this, and there's something in your spirit that's saying, God, yes, that's what I want. I, I want to go deeper than anywhere I've ever gone. I, I want that hunger pangs to be spiritual. I want, I want something in me to say, my God, I want to know you. I want to see something I've never seen. I want to do something I've never done. I want to hear your voice in a way I've never heard it. I want to see your face and your hand in my life in a way I've never seen it, God. But you know what? He doesn't just show up and force that on you. He responds to your hunger level. Like Moses, he would have just walked away when he said, I'm going to go with you, Moses. Yeah, and Moses says, uh, can you give me a sign? I'm hungry. I want to see. He says, I'm going to go with you. Don't worry about it. It's fine. And there's no doubt in my mind that if Moses would have said, cool, and got up from the altar, so to speak, and walked off, that would have been it. That would have been it. That would have been the end of the story. Cool interaction. Moses talked to God on the side of a mountain, and that would have been the end. But no, Moses said, hold it. I want to see you and experience you in a way that I have never seen or experienced before. And God says, 
all right, well, you ask a hard thing, but fine. I'm going to set you on the side of this rock, and we're fixing to have an experience that humanity has never seen or heard about or read about before, and I don't really see anything close to it except for maybe Elijah a little bit later when God calls him out of a cave. These are incredible experiences, but it was birthed out of a man or a woman saying, I am just so hungry for you. I don't want to just know your name. I don't, he, notice he asked his name when he got called on the side of the mountain. He says, God says, I am that I am. He gives him his name, but now Moses is beyond that. He's not saying, oh, I just want to know your name. I don't want to just know a fact and a figure anymore. God, now I want to know you. Now I want to see you. I want to see you. I don't want to just know a fact and a figure anymore. And that's where we should be. God's revealed things to you about himself. But now we've got to the place where we need to go beyond just the facts, names, dates, and figures. Do you know him? As Brother Stone King once said when he stood before the United Nations, he said, you've heard of this man called Jesus. He said, but I know him. I want to be able to stand before people and tell them, listen, I know you know about Jesus, but I want to tell you something. I know him. I know him. I know Jesus. And so right now, wherever you are, if you begin to just pray, if you begin to just respond to him right now, raise your voice, teach your kids to pray, let them know, listen, this ain't a Bible story. We just know facts. I want to know him. I want to hear him. I want God to enter into your living room. He's already there. He, he, he wants to reveal himself right now, right where you are. But it's going to be based on the level of hunger that you have, that there's a spiritual hunger that's saying, God, give me something that will fill me in a way I've never been filled before. Jesus, I pray right now. God, as I close this message up, that this message, that I would take this message, I want me and my family to be hungrier for you than we have ever been in our entire lives. I don't want to be sidetracked. I don't want to just be content with what's the norm in Pentecostal churches. What's the norm in Christianity? What's the norm in society? God, I don't want to be just what's the norm in an altar call. What's the norm in my previous prayer life? God, I want to say, yeah, you've done awesome things, amazing things. You've revealed yourself to me and I'm thankful for those things. You've called me into promised lands and promised things. But God, today, I'm hungry. I want to know more. I want to see you, Jesus. I want to experience things I've never experienced, God. I don't want to just be content to know about you anymore, Jesus. I want to know you. If that is you, this live stream is going gonna, gonna to end here. And I just invite you, just if you need to, turn on music in your house, wherever you are, and just continue to seek the Lord. Continue to, to just be hungry to not just say, well, hey, normally I just pray for 30 seconds at the end and call it a night. No, but something in you would begin to say, God, I want something I've never seen. I want to experience something I've never experienced. God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. I want to know you, Jesus. I pray right now, let it be so as we leave this live stream in the name of Jesus.